Welcome back to the second series of Unlocking the SDGs, a blueprint for the future. In this podcast, we explore the UN Sustainable Development Goals and what they mean for society. I'm Professor Preeti Parekh, Professor of Infrastructure Engineering and International Development at the Bartlett School of Sustainable Construction at UCL. And I'm Professor Monica Lackenpool, Professor of Integrated Community Child Health in the UCL Great Ormond Street Institute for Child Health. In today's episode, we'll be considering the question of mental health and well-being, a very important topic for all of us. While goal three on good health and well-being refers to mental health, it's sometimes considered as secondary to issues of physical health, such as addressing communicable diseases. In many countries, addressing physical health, including issues like child and maternal health, developing resilient healthcare systems, and improving access to healthcare are often prioritized over issues related to mental health. So today we'll be asking whether the SDGs can and should do more to address this issue. Today, we'll be speaking to Dr. Nora Vera San Juan, Senior Research Fellow, Institute for Global Health, and Dr. Kerry Wong, Associate Professor in Developmental Psychology at UCL Institute of Education. Dr. Vera San Juan, Dr. Wong, a very warm welcome to both of you and thank you for joining us today. Firstly, can you introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your work and how it relates to mental health? Hello, everyone. It's a really great pleasure to join you today to talk about this topic. My name is Nora Vera San Juan. I'm a Colombian researcher and I trained as a health psychologist and neuroscientist and later specialized in public health. Nowadays, the research I do informs mental health services and policy planning, as well as uh, strategies to promote well-being in general population and create protective spaces, particularly in what's referred to as complex settings. So these are places that face particularly uh, adverse circumstances, like, for example, in prisons or in war zones or migrant paths. And due to being Colombian, I work mainly in Latin American settings. Thank you. I mean, you truly work in really complex and challenging settings. Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me on this podcast episode. I'm Terry Wong. I'm a child uh, psychologist as well as a criminologist. I am an associate professor based in the Department of Psychology and Human Development at UCL. My interest in mental health really stems from, uh, I guess, my upbringing as well, having grown up in Hong Kong and the US and now here in the UK. I am involved in a lot of research looking at um, how children develop um, trust in others as well as mistrust and how this relates to their mental health and well-being. So before we start with that, we've really talked to a wide range of people over the course of this podcast. And I'm always interested to hear what their connection to the SDGs is. So could you tell us a bit about what interests you about the goals? Nora, if we could go with you first. Yes, so the SDGs are a call for action. It's a a very useful tool to be able to communicate across different settings and, and institutions and really unify what we all should be working towards. You can just go online and download the spreadsheet. It's in a very accessible format in many languages, which is very useful if you're doing global health work. Uh, And it's just at hand whenever you require a guidance on how to frame your work. 
I like that it gives us all a sense that we're working together towards something. So if you have a multidisciplinary group or if you're trying to co-develop services or policy with the community, it's, it's something that everyone can relate to and see why it's important. And particularly when it comes to policy and public health planning, it's really having a, a gold standard, a, a horizon to, to look forward to. And even though the SDGs are something that can't be enforced, there is a big social pressure to do well because of their legitimacy and the, the institutions that back them up. And in terms of my connection, particularly with uh, SDGs, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by all the advocacy work to include mental health in the SDGs in the uh, 2000s or the, the decade of the 2000s. I did my PhD within the Center for Global Mental Health, uh, which is based at King's College London and the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And at that time, uh, people like Graham Thornycroft or Vikram Patel and others uh, were making a call to advocate for mental health goals to be included in the Global Development Goals. And they launched a campaign that was called Fundamental SDGs. And it included everything from academic papers, working with artists, involving policymakers. It was really a worldwide movement. And it was very inspiring to see how academia could really have an impact in decision making. And uh, it was where the slogan, no health without mental health came from. And uh, yes, I was just very fortunate to be part of that movement as well. Thank you. And yes, Vikram Patel and many others, you know, really pioneered putting mental health at the center of the SDGs. And the fact that they did that and you were part of that, we're very lucky to have you here. Thank you so much. And Kerry, what are your thoughts, please? Certainly, I think drawing on what Nora said, I definitely agree with her in that it, these are the goals that keep us all together, that we can come together and try our best to address them. And for me, I think I'm kind of came into all of this as I, as I said, an independent researcher doing, doing my own work uh, in mental health. But kind of realizing that actually a lot of the aspects of my work fall into the various SDG goals as well. So clearly the first one would be goal three, good health and well-being. But certainly other goals such as quality education, number four, number 10, reducing inequalities, and 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions. I think they all feature in my work at some level. And so I think the goals itself, I kind of like to think of it as almost like a shining beacon or a lighthouse, you know, in the distance and the way in which we are on the ship all trying to get there. We struggle, we create uh, new ideas and research to help us get to those goals. I think it's just in general, just the metaphor being for us to keep our eyes on the prize almost um, because it's just so important aspect of human and being human and bringing everyone together. You know, eyes on the prize, I think that's really important. And that's what we have to do looking forward. We really need to consider the future. And you've mentioned working together. I think that's going to come up a few times, really, is that co-creation, working together, having a common goal for all of us is going to be important. But I think both of you have really highlighted the fact that mental health is something that needs to be considered and talked about more. And possibly it's still stigmatized quite a lot in some of the countries and in some communities. And maybe through the SDGs, the development goals, that's a way forward where we can actually have more conversations like this. Absolutely, Monica. And uh, what is becoming clear is mental health touches so many aspects of human life. But what I find strange is it's not explicitly referenced in the goals as a target in and of itself. 
So I wanted to ask both Nora and Kerry, starting with Nora first. In your opinion, is mental health uh, well represented or prioritized in the SDGs? Well, it's it's difficult to say if it's adequately prioritized. I do think that there is reference to it being a, a cross-cutting issue or a topic across the SDGs. Uh, mental health has been declared for a long time as a as a human right, and and anything that claims to defend human rights should include this focus too. In the development goals, it is included in the preamble that promoting physical and mental health. And there is a part that says that they're committed to the prevention and treatment of non-communicable diseases, including behavioral and developmental and neurological disorders. So I feel at least in the preamble and in the setting the scene for what the goals uh, should aim to do, there is this mention to mental health. And then from 2015, uh, as part of the results of the work that I was mentioning earlier that was done by the Center for Global Mental Health and, and many others, it was included in the targets of Goal 3, the, the health goal that Carrie was mentioning before. It was included to mention prevention and treatment and promotion of mental health. So I feel like there have been some very big achievements in specifically mentioning it in the goals. While it doesn't have its own goal because it's cross-cutting across all the other ones, it, it is difficult to say if it's adequately prioritized in terms of mental health being a leading cause of disability, of early deaths around the world. And this is mainly based on high-income country data. So it would be really expected that in uh, low- and middle-income countries where there are more human rights violations, this would be uh, even more prevalent. So it clearly should be a priority and thinking about it in the in the broader sense of things so that mental health would be included in other health goals that are affected by comorbidities or social determinants and things that I'm sure that we'll talk about more later. But having that broader look to mental health, I do think that it is addressed in the SDGs as a cross-cutting uh, issue, even though it doesn't have its own specific goal. Absolutely, Nora. I agree that mental health is a cross-cutting issue because it links up with overall health, education, climate. So potentially mental health spans across a range of goals. And I think um, your point about kind of countries is quite interesting uh, because increasingly I know that in low and middle income countries, uh, there are more and more debates and discussions and recognition around mental health. Kerry, I would welcome your views on this. So I think it's a very interesting question. I think, you know, at one part, uh, you know, actually listing out the SDG goals, you know, is already a start. I think it's a great start. And the label of goal three really is good health and well-being. For me, maybe a bit biased because I'm a psychologist. Uh, I think that, you know, any kind of mention of well-being or health is already on the right track. Oftentimes, we don't get that level of traction to begin with. Um, and certainly because of issues like stigma around mental health and whatnot. So what I'm hearing as well is that we need to talk about mental health, and the more we talk about it, the more really action may be taken. But actually mental health isn't new. I mean, it's sort of mental health is central to all of us and has been for centuries, and maybe it's being presented in different ways over the years. So it's interesting that it's only now that we're actually talking about it or we're even talking about being a cross-cutting issue. And just to be a little bit controversial, 
the fact that it's a cross-cutting issue and doesn't have its own, I wonder whether that also means we don't prioritize it because we haven't given it a goal that we have to speak to by itself. So just really building on that, as mental health isn't a new idea, as I just said, and the SDGs are relatively recent, why do you think they're not given the same priority status as issues relating to physical health? It's a very good question, uh, and I think maybe the the answer might be a bit more uh, theory-based or or something that from academia we can uh, really contribute to. I have faith in humanity, so maybe just to, to highlight that even though mental health isn't a new idea, it isn't very old either. I do think it takes uh, people a while to really put concepts into practice and, and find a way to implement them correctly and, and inclusively. Things like what Kiri was mentioning, you know, finding out what it means for different communities, what mental health means, what, what they think is good mental health. And I always say that if it took hundreds and thousands of years just for humanity to to invent the wheel, which seems like a pretty obvious tool and, you know, we're still reinventing it to this day, then maybe that can help us kind of put into perspective on how long it takes us to come up with other very useful ideas and and really implement them. At this stage, I think it's not so much uh, that they're given the same priority in the development goals themselves. So, you know, whether they have a a specific goal or a specific indicator, I think it's more a matter of what the reader focuses their attention on, even across mental health disciplines or within mental health disciplines or health institutions that come to mind right now, this mind-body duality is still very present. So it's a a debate that is still ongoing, whether there's a, a difference between physical and then something else is the mental. And I feel like that still permeates into the planning of global goals and, and the way things are written. So say recently I was looking at WHO's plans for rehabilitation-oriented health services. They've launched a new commission that will plan things until 2030. And I was very surprised because it didn't include mental health services and making them recovery or rehabilitation-oriented. And when I asked about this with the team that I uh, work with at WHO, they said it was because they had made a separate document for mental health specifically because it didn't feel like it could be included with the rest of health. So I think it, it is this mind-body duality that then later is translated into the way things are written and therefore how people end up understanding these plans. Personally, I, I don't think this is a very useful approach. I think it divides the efforts that could really be beneficial for well-being as a whole and facilitate transmitting the idea to the general population that it is all one mental and physical and really uniting all the the work that is being done in the well-being field. Thank you. And Kerry, what are your thoughts on this? I guess maybe an initial kind of response would be that um, historically, obviously, the focus is on physical health. It's observable, you know, and, you know, if you break an arm, you can see that people can see you are struggling to uh, deal with day-to-day life. But really, the mental health or mental aspects of health are less observable. And oftentimes, that's maybe for uh, different cultures, different people also, that is challenging, you know, to be able to think in the position of another person and to understand exactly what they're going through, yet you can't really fully experience that at the same level in the same way that maybe many of the physical health aspects uh, we can relate, better relate to. 
So building on that, how can addressing the SDGs then help to improve mental health well-being? And how do you think the goals could support positive change in this area? I was thinking in these terms of thinking of mental health being cross-cut into all the goals and, and them all being interconnected as well. If all of the goals were achieved, then mental health would be benefited somehow to maybe specify this a bit more and be able to, to make it more concrete so that people can take action. There was a, a Lancet Commission on, on Global Mental Health and Sustainable Development specifically and uh, they mapped the social determinants of, of mental health and they presented it in the SDGs to support this idea that mental health was present in the other goals as well and not just in the health goals specifically or looking at, say, suicide or drug, drug consumption, which are the more explicit mental health indicators present in the goals. So things like gender equality or poverty um, the sustainable cities goal, the climate action goal, peace building. These are all things that in that Lancet Commission and in lots of other work have been really connected to, to mental health so that it's very obvious and explicit and anyone working in those fields can also claim to be working towards improving mental health through the improvement or through the uh, attainment of social development goals. I feel like in, in terms of, of future research and, and things that people can frame within SDGs to improve mental health is if we understood better the mechanisms behind what works or, or what makes this an improvement, say how reducing poverty will improve mental health and what aspects of mental health, it would really help generate more initiatives and particularly at a, at a local level it would really uh, empower, say, local policymakers or uh, decision makers in general or local NGOs to take action on things that are maybe not clinical mental health, which is the, the more uh, traditional uh, understanding when people read SDGs. They're thinking they want to find maybe something related to clinical mental health. But I think knowing more the mechanisms behind and the connections between social determinants and mental health could facilitate that people can really claim that they're improving mental health through uh, taking action on these other goals. Thank you. I think, you know, linking up the social determinants of health with mental health is going to be extremely important, especially as we now know we're going into further poverty, further difficulties in the world as well. But you also raised a very important point about the Lancet Commission. And I think as well as academics, we do the work, we need funders to fund research such as looking at these mechanisms, but we also need the support of our journals and outlets really to where we can publicize and people can actually hear about the amazing work that you, your colleagues and everybody else is doing. Um, Kerry, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think as Nora mentioned as well, um, we are as researchers doing our own part. And I think the SDG goals are helpful in that way. It keeps everyone's eyes on the prize, so to speak, as I mentioned. Because we all have our individual parts to play in all of this, right? And I think, well, let's say for researchers, it would be about having these grassroots research projects that are targeted or specifically working on improving mental health, maybe for different populations, but also having that top-down support at the policy and government level to ensure that the right uh, funding and financing of all of these projects are possible. 
One of the topics we return to in the series quite frequently is uh, where the SDGs may need to expand or alter in the future to reflect shifting global priorities since their inception. So towards this end, could you both give us insights into how discussions around mental health have changed in recent years and what does that mean for international development? I'll start with Nora. I could talk about this topic for, for a very long time because I, I feel like it's it's happened while I've been in the field. So I, I have very clearly seen this shift from maybe when I started working in global mental health, seeing how they were advocating just to put mental health on the map. And then as that was happening and it was really becoming a reality, seeing how priorities changed and there was insight into more the, the nuances of the issues. So in that sense, the very important work that, that people did at that early stage, it really focused on scaling up services. That, that was the focus at the time. It was there, there weren't enough services, uh, mental health services, uh, particularly in low and middle income countries. And most actions focused on benefiting people with severe mental disorders or what was classified as such rather than maybe population well-being in general. And I think this is mainly due to most of the experts uh, leading the, the final kind of decision making at this time being psychiatrists. So they were doing work accordingly to according to what their training was and their understanding of, of mental health through that lens. And once it was actually being implemented, they started seeing some results. I feel like this brought up many ongoing debates around the quality and the, the benefit of existing mental health services in general. You know, we were trying to scale up something, but what is it exactly that we're trying to scale up and has this been good for people? The value of diagnostic labels, is it something that's really valid across cultures and the nuances that it brings? So even things to do with legal issues that can arise from uh, receiving a, a diagnosis or uh, the economic consequences of it and just more the real world experience of what having a diagnosis means beyond the, the clinical setting. And uh, in the case of low and middle income countries in particular, it became a bit more noticeable that maybe we were pathologizing or, or medicalizing issues that were really social e issues and it was a, a breach of human rights that was being maybe ignored and just falling under the label of a mental health condition. Um, so I feel like all, all of this that's unraveled as there was more success in including mental health as a, a focus of the goals, it shifted the mental health research and, and the whole movement to include more experts from very different backgrounds. And this included uh, social scientists or a broader range. And very, very importantly, it included experts by experience or lived experience researchers, people who have lived experience with mental health problems and their cares the uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the term the survivors so survivor groups these are people that were that didn't have good experiences in mental health services and they self-define as survival survivors of psychiatry and uh, all of this new input and new perspectives brought a shift towards prevention and promotion of mental health more and it broadened the scope uh, of work towards good mental health rather than ill mental health. So really seeing mental health as well-being rather than having a focus on maybe identifying prevalences of mental disorders and, and so on. An example of this impact or of this shift, I think, is the 
a WHO MH gap initiative, which when it started, it was about the gap in service provision. And it's still ongoing, but the, the focus is very much on services. And now the interest has shifted more towards the WHO quality rights initiative, which is more informed by the uh, CRPD, so the, the Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. And it has a lot more service user involvement in the development. It focuses on things like economy and, and legal rights, and, and it's much broader than MHGAP. And maybe at, at a personal level, I would say my, my own work is evidence of, of that shift. And in the sense that all my work includes very active involvement of local communities, stakeholders, lived experience researchers, and really a focus on building mental health systems rather than services. So this is support networks, protective environments, access to drinking water, and you know, just the, the basics of uh, well-being. Thank you, Nora. Uh, for your insights. And uh, absolutely, that resonates with some of the work I do as an infrastructure engineer, where I look at delivery of very basic services, such as water sanitation, energy access, the resource challenge settings. And uh, I think the shift from service delivery to a more holistic approach, where we positively look at well-being for the entire population is uh, vital, especially in this current era where we're dealing with crisis, we're dealing with climate change, post-COVID. I think having this kind of broader perspective, population perspective on mental health and well-being rather than just looking at it as a problem or looking at it as a service delivery model is absolutely fundamental, I think. Nora, I wanted to come back to you because we embarked on a very interesting discussion on kind of holistic approaches. And I think mental health could be an example of what we term a wicked problem, one which requires interventions across a broad range of subject areas. So, for example, targets like ending poverty or gender equity can also contribute to mental health or better mental health. And I was wondering, in your view, would having a specific goal targeting improving mental health be helpful or do you think what we have is enough? I feel like if I say that it's enough, I would be doing a, a disservice to to our field of research. So I, I won't say that it's enough. It would never be enough. The the more the merrier. Thinking in in broader terms, so trying to be inclusive of all the very important goals that we can include. All all of the goals are are interrelated and could potentially be deemed wicked problems in the sense of being complex and and having a lot of indicators that could be included within them. Thinking more in terms of individual, uh, maybe researchers or, or anyone that wants to work in, in this topic, when you design your work, you do need to focus on, on one thing and maybe using the SDGs to choose that focus or to, to frame that focus could be very useful. And there are reasons for that. You know, we can't all fight all battles. You Looking at one topic more in depth uh, is is very beneficial so that you can have very targeted uh, actions coming out of your research. This doesn't mean that it wouldn't always be interconnected with other things and that it's very important to situate whatever your findings are or whatever your work is in, in the broader spectrum and, and seeing how it relates to the other sustainable goals. So in that sense, it could be great to have a specific mental health goal. I don't know if perhaps it would then maybe contribute to this constant duality of thinking that physical health and mental health are separate. Uh, I personally maybe 
would think that a better approach is to to unite things and to just maybe get the message through that mental health is part of all of this and that ending poverty it's not just I don't know say for example so that people will have money to buy food it's because it is part of the essentials of life satisfaction and having access to many other things to education to things that promote well-being and that is as a whole mental and physical in terms of the indicators so not just thinking about the development goals but the indicators that are included to follow up on the success of those goals which are very key and and I think it's a key part of what motivates people to really take on the goals to be able to see this progress that you see on the website what has been achieved and what hasn't and in terms of the indicators I, I do feel like there's maybe room for improvement in regards to mental health, the the current indicators specifically mention that specifically mention mental health are related to suicide and uh, drug abuse and and alcohol abuse. And of course, these are very important issues. But I do think that it would be good to have more explicitly indicators of good mental health. So there's things like the the happiness index that suggested having indicators like satisfaction or participation in community and social support, uh, volunteering, uh, self-reported health. So not just whether there are kind of objective measures of health to see if people have reduced, say, drug consumption, but how do people feel about that? Do they feel that they're better? Has this improved their lives? And just in general things about how people perceive and, uh, and feel that are still very measurable. While UCL's academics and researchers are playing a leading role in responding to the challenges set out by the goals, our students are also helping to achieve the SDGs. We spoke to some of our students to get their thoughts on the SDGs and how they're being addressed around the world. Today, we are asking the question, if you could bring in one legal or societal shift to help the UK address the SDGs, what would it be? I'm Laura Dewhurst and I'm studying for a Master's in Science Communication in UCL's Department of Science and Technology Studies. The one change that the UK needs to make to help it achieve its sustainable development goals is a change in attitudes that emphasises the need to reduce inequality. This means valuing everybody, from the marginalised to the poorest in society, to fleeing migrants. I'm Nazulia Fajerinigru and I'm studying at UCL's Bartlett School of Environment, Energy and Resources. The one change that the UK needs to make to help achieve its SDG is providing collective actions for waste management. Besides incentivizing the sustainable supply chain, the UK needs to promote responsible consumer behaviors. People must be able to choose to reduce, reuse, recycle and repurpose products and materials that can add value to other people. Now I'm going to pose a tough challenge for both of you. In one sentence, if there was an 18th SDG which explicitly relates to mental health, what should it be, Nora? That is a a very tough challenge. I think I'm not going to go as far as suggesting an 18th uh, SDG, but adding indicators to all SDGs related to satisfaction and people's experiences in regards to that SDG, what it really means in, in their real world. Wonderful. Thank you, Nora. And Kerry? Empathy. So whether we can practice more of that as a goal. Thank you very much, Nora and Kerry, for joining us today. Some take-home messages, I think, for everybody. 
let's think of this as a life course approach. We must think of prevention as well. Co-creation, co-production, working together. And I love the phrase, keeping the eye on the prize, so, so important. And not just thinking about services, but also systems. So on that note, I really would like to ask you both, where can we find you online outside of this episode? I am on Twitter as Nora.Vera and same on on LinkedIn. I do try to post all of the work that is coming out of projects that I do and keep people also posted on initiatives or or opportunities that I think could be useful in regards to mental health and in general to health planning. Thank you very much. And Kerry, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. My handle is Dr. Kerry Wong. You've been listening to Unlocking the SDGs. This episode was presented by me, Professor Monica Lackenpaul. And me, Professor Preeti Parikh. And produced by the UCL SDG Initiative with support from Frontier. Our guests today were Dr. Nora Vera Sanapuan and Dr. Kerry Wong. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from UCL, subscribe to UCL Minds wherever you download your podcasts or visit ucl.ac.uk slash sustainable hyphen development hyphen goals. Join us next time on Unlocking the SDGs. This episode was recorded in autumn 2023.